Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. The Bible teaches us this great passage of Scripture in, in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, this verse is probably one of the most quoted by parents in the homes of their children, correct? And it's one of these verses of Scripture that we think of today with all the tension and strife with the elections and issues in the world. But we can even see where tensions and strife bleed into what's going on in God's church. As we look at this verse in the Beatitudes, we are struck again how this sermon humbles and examines us. Once again, all these verses are intentional and they are linked. The Welwyn Commentary tells us, that the three characteristics of verses 7 through 9, which are mercy, purity, and peace, are different from the previous ones. The first characteristics in the Beatitudes are poor in spirit, mourning over sin, and meekness, which describe a needy condition which will be remedied in the Lord. Now, the last three describe the positive attitude which will be rewarded And, of course, that would be with mercy and purity and peace. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones links the verses in this way. Poor in spirit and merciful can be regarded together. Mourning for sin and being pure in heart can be connected. And meekness and peacemakers correspond to each other. Now, verse 6 serves as a link between them between them all, when there is a longing for God and his righteousness and his fullness. And verse 6, of course, would be the great verse of Scripture which says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. When you observe this passage in Matthew 5.9, you're reminded again that the outworking of the Christian life is altogether so different than what we see in the world today. To live the characteristics of the Beatitudes without knowing Christ is futile and it's impossible. For the Jews listening to this, they had the idea of the coming kingdom would be a military one, a national and materialistic one. Notice the reaction of the people after the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. They wanted to make him king. Even John the Baptist seems to struggle with the understanding in Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, when the Bible says that John was probably concerned because his present imprisonment didn't match his understanding of who the coming one, his arrival, was all about, because he asked, are you the one we've been looking for, or do we need to seek for another? Church liberals have revered the Sermon on the Mount for many years, because it does not concentrate on theology, in their mind, or doctrine of that awful the Apostle Paul. But why, then, are peacemakers blessed? The answer is because they are absolutely unlike everybody else. Why are there wars and tensions in this world and in our homes? It is nothing else but sin. So you have to understand the doctrine of man and the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of salvation. The explanation for all of our troubles, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, is human lust, greed, selfishness, and self-centeredness. 
This is what brings trouble and discord. And then for that, we need to know the great doctrines of the Word of God to be understand how these issues are dealt with to make us peacemakers. So then is the idea of peace something that Christ introduces to his audience as something new? No. Isaiah prophesied of the coming of the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9-6 that we're all familiar with and we especially quote during Christmas season. Even the New Testament, Christ reconciles us to God in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 17 through 20. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, peace is the fruit of the Spirit and applies to the church as in peace in our relationships, which sometimes is ignored even in churches today. Colossians 3.15 talks about that. So what then is a peacemaker? Well, let me give you three things that the peacemaker, we can understand about it. Number one is this. It does not mean an easygoing person. You may look at some people and say, well, they're very easygoing. They must be a peacemaker. No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Sometimes a peacemaker can be somebody that can be very very vocal, um, maybe very confrontational. But the second thing is, a peacemaker does not mean a peace-at-any-price person. And this happens many times within the home. Let's just have peace when the arguments start around the evening meal between parents and children or between husband and wife or between two kids, that um, brother and sister or brother and brother, sister and sister, and they get to arguing, the parents would just say, let's just have peace at this meal. It is not the sort of person who says anything to avoid trouble. And a lot of times that happens. Let's be a peacemaker. Let's just make sure that there's just no trouble. Let's just do anything it takes to avoid trouble. The mere avoidance of conflict does not make peace. There was a famous um, pact, P-A-C-T, that occurred in 1928 called the Kellogg-Briand Pact. And um, it was made between the United States and Germany and France um, August the 27th, 1928, and then many other nations joined in after it was initially signed. But the, the Kellogg-Briand Pact made it illegal to institute war. It's, of course, after the Great War, World War I, and so nations were trying to be able to start with the League of Nations that Woodrow Wilson was involved with and others. So they made this pact to saying, that it's going to be illegal from now on to begin a war for any reason. But yet we know that didn't last long because that pact was made in 1928 and within 10 years later, 11 years later, World War II had started with Germany attacking Poland. And when you look at all that and realize um, it didn't really mean a whole lot, there was a few things that came out that made it good. The the Kellogg-Briand Pact, for example, made it um, a legal issue that allowed the Nuremberg trials to occur after World War II because it was designated as a legal issue that Germany indeed began World War II so they could be held uh, legally responsible uh, for that war. Up till then, really without the pact, it wouldn't have made a whole lot of difference. But with it, it did on a legal basis. 
But you, but just just having that pact in 1928 did not guarantee anything as far as somebody saying, well, it's illegal to have war, so we won't have war anymore. And they thought that would be the case, but certainly that wasn't what happened on a history basis. But the third thing we learned about what then is a peacemaker is that he is one about whom we can say two things. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, passively, he is, a, he is peaceable because a quarrelsome person cannot be a peacemaker. So he's not the kind of person who looks for arguments. He's not a quarrelsome person at all. But then Jones says this, actively, this person must be one who makes peace actively. He doesn't just let sleeping dogs lie. He does all that he can to produce peace and to maintain it. He's most concerned that all men are at peace with God. That's a great concern that a peacemaker has, is what is your relationship like with the Lord? So then how does this come about? Is there some kind of magical formula for becoming a peacemaker? Well, let's look at it this way. First of all, a peacemaker starts with a new heart. Is your heart filled with envy and jealousy and hatred? Can't be a peacemaker if that's your case. The peacemaker is not one who looks at things that happen around him and think how it's going to affect him. What side do I take? What benefits me? What views do we have on ourselves? Martin Lloyd-Jones says that one uh, of the best tests is whether we are Christians is not is um, not have we come to the point where we can see ourselves in the way the Apostle Paul said, O wretched man that I am. A peacemaker will come to the fact where he realizes, I'm a wretched man. If I'm looking at all things, what does it benefit me? Uh, what side do I take? And uh, how is this going to affect me? The, the godly person only looks at me and realizes, this is, this is a reflection of what I am, that I'm a wretched man and I need to make sure I do what's right before the Lord. But a peacemaker has an entirely new view of the world. He has only one concern, and that is the glory of God. He spends his entire life trying to minister to that glory. So peacemaker is one who looks to everything that's happening around him and says, is God getting the glory for everything that's happening in my life? And so that's a great concern to the person who is a peacemaker. A person who is not a peacemaker is looking about the fact of how's everything affecting me right now. But a real peacemaker is one who's looking at everything that happens, and it could be conflicts and issues and difficulties, but trying to realize, where is God getting the glory in what is going on around me? To do this practically, then, what has to happen? Well, first of all, we must learn and to be slow to speak. And James tells us that, that we're to be slow to speak, slow to hear, and slow to speak. For most people, this is a very difficult thing to do. Is it, uh, it, is it right for us to think of ourselves, I must speak my mind? Now, that's an expression that for a lot of people, like, well, I'll just speak my mind about this. Is that really necessary? Are we being slow or swift to hear and slow to speak? We have to be quick to want to listen and slow to want to speak. Number two, view every situation in the light of the gospel. This leads us into thinking, how is Christ praised in this situation? How is he working in, the, in these lives? 
So I look at every situation that comes about, and I have a tendency, I want to be able to say, how can Christ be praised in this situation? Number three, look for ways to remedy the situation and make peace. The Lord says, if your enemy hunger, feed him, show pity, and to pray. But not just feed him, look for ways to help him and relieve him of the problems. We have a our ministry, we have an RU ministry on Friday nights, where we try to be able to assist with people who are having struggles in this in the lives that they live, and they've made poor decisions maybe in the past, but they're looking to God for help. And so we we'll, we need to be able to say, I want to look for remedies to the situation and to make peace. And number four, we need to be selfless, lovable, approachable, and not standing on our dignity. So that's kind of the kind of person we need to be, selfless. That is, now I'm not trying to look just for what benefits me. Lovable does not mean just cuddly type person, but means somebody that really shows genuine concern for people. Approachable, do people feel like they can come to you and say, would you pray for me about something? Or could I talk to you about something? Can you, can you be a help to me? And not just standing on our dignity to say, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be involved in that. So then what happens to the peacemaker? Well, that's a tough task to be a peacemaker. And it's interesting that verse 9 of Matthew chapter 5, in talking about the peacemaker, says this, For they shall be called the children of God. That's a very interesting, interesting expression, called. It gives the idea of owned as the children of God. As a peacemaker, we are like the Father. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse um, 20, the Bible says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every work to do his will. That's a great benediction. But it starts out with the idea of the God of peace. Do I want to be known to be owned as the God of peace? I should hope so. I should want to. To saying I want to be like God. God was a God of peace. That should be something that I should look at and say, is that something that is a characteristic that I have? Though God is a God that is holy and he's just and he's righteous, he is also a God of peace. Does he stand on his dignity? Well, let's remember that he humbled himself in his son to produce peace through the sacrifice of himself on the cross. All you have to do is go to Philippians chapter 2 and realize what the Lord Jesus did in humbling himself to become a man. And so the Lord didn't, God didn't stand on his dignity. The Lord, he sent the Lord Jesus to be able to show that humility. We end with Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. To the peacemaker like the Lord does not clutch at his own rights. Christ did not hold on to the prerogative of of a deity and eternity. He came to be the likeness of men because he was not thinking of himself. Um, We have to think to ourselves, are we that way? Well, let's just read that passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 where the Bible says this. I can turn there and get there. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, 
and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That's a great passage. And we think to ourselves, for he is our peace. And is that what we want? The God of peace, the Lord Jesus of peace. And yet the Lord tells us in that wonderful passage in the, in the Beatitudes that we are to be a peacemaker. We need to be reproducers of the Prince of Peace. Are you being that way? In church, do you find areas where you can, arenas where you can be a peacemaker? Maybe in business meetings, board meetings, youth group, Bible studies, relationships, different kinds of meetings. Are we the type of person who is desiring to be a peacemaker? Am I showing that I am owned by my Heavenly Father? When the Lord Jesus told us that we are to be a peacemaker and they shall be called, the idea of called is the idea, do I want to be owned by my Heavenly Father, whom the Bible says is the God of peace? Think about that in these days that we live. These are not easy days. And it's sometimes it's difficult to know how to, what to say in situations to be able to stand for truth. And we need to stand for truth. But are we doing that with the idea of bringing folks to Christ and to be able to show the Lord Jesus and the way he lives in us and through us in the daily lives that we have today. The Lord bless you. Have a good day. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.